Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 23rd episode and the first episode, actually, of 2020 of the NYC Real Estate Podcast. I've been slacking and I've been on a long hiatus, but our guest today actually brought me out of the woodwork and said, we need to have uh, some more episodes. And I was like, why don't you just come in? So uh, I'm going to get into our guest in two minutes, but let me just tell everybody that, uh, again, if you want to uh, email the show, you can do so at nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com, nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. And as I said, I'm Mark Levine. I'm the host. I'm also one of the uh, owners of eBMG. We're a property management company in New York City, managing approximately 100 clients, uh, co-op, condo, rental, commercial, all of that. But So now I did my plugs, and let's get our guest in today, Ian Dahlberg. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So you're with, you are the owner of Dahlcore. Yes, Dahlcore Security. And we met actually through uh, Marshall Fulton over at Bank United. He got us together, and that actually led to us hiring you in a building um, that we can go into. You know, one of your services, and they were very happy, and I, uh, I was happy about that because it, it always takes a lot of pressure off of our back when the vendors that we can bring into a building are doing a good job. So uh, I'll give you props on that. Thank you. I appreciate the good feedback. Yeah. So you you are, as you said, you're, you're a security company and you have a unique backstory and you have a lot of experience in this, um, the world that I do not have anywhere near. You were in the service and I'm, I'm going to, you tell your story, but um, why don't you walk us through like your experience in, in that and how that translates to where you are today? Okay. Um, so clarify that company is a security officer company and that's kind of where my background goes into is leading our guys like it's a military unit. Uh, so I started off in 2003, you know, right out of high school, trying to figure out what to do in my life and then joined the U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, you know, originally started to be a rescue swimmer, which I found out shortly after boot camp that if you have a mild case of sleep apnea, you can't be approved <laughs> for flight crew. So uh, you signed a six-year contract, what are you going to do? And uh, I became a instructor on a, a very unique vessel in the U.S. Coast Guard. It's a tall ship called the Bark Eagle. Uh -huh. It's um, they sail through mass ship around, uh, you know, throughout the Atlantic. We went across the pond twice, which is coming from here to Europe mm -hmm. and back and forth. And it's uh, just climbing the tall rigging. Uh, my future boss is the Coast Guard cadets. We were teaching them stuff like seamanship. I was. Uh, we also had to teach them law enforcement because we all had to be right. federal bo uh, boarding officers since a U.S. vessel going overseas. And after my two years, it's like, well, you can't be a rescue swimmer. What are you going to do? So went to MKA school, and immediately I was accepted to go to an uh, anti-terrorism law enforcement unit in Staten Island, New York, mm -hmm. called uh, MSSC 9-1106. And they were a deployable group. So even though we were in Staten Island, we were probably in Staten Island once, um, uh, like every three months we'd be in port one month. Right. So it's like, hey, you're going to go. To Virginia and then this period we'll tell you we're gonna go but we're gonna wake you up at two o'clock in the morning and get ready to convoy out at that four. That is a different way of life. It really yeah. is and, and what did you enjoy that like the unknown of where you're going and obviously that's probably a little bit nerve-wracking but it's you know it's always an adventure and you know it's for your country. It, it is and, and in your early 20s it's it's a lot of fun it's like where, where are we gonna go and yeah what, you know what towns are we gonna just uh become you know temporary residents in and yeah and as long as you stay safe you have stories forever exactly you know? you've got experiences forever too which is kind of leading us through you know your professional career after that oh yeah and uh it was a lot of you know just you know escorting high-level vessels we did the crash zone for the air show in chicago mm -hmm. uh just to name a few uh we did a 
assisted with a drug bust with the DEA in Virginia at one point. Oh, wow. It was a lot of just cool things that happened. You know, yeah. I could go on and on about all the stuff I did in the Coast Guard. Yeah. But uh, once I got out, um, let's just say I met my wife in Staten Island. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a military wife. Right. So I, you know, once you find a good woman, don't <laughs> let her go. So <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I have to restructure myself and uh, came to resign contract after six years of service. And I was yeah. like, all right, well, I'm not signing. And Tried to figure out what I was going to do. And uh, once I got out, it was like kind of like a wake up call. Like, uh oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. I so is that when you went over to like from the um, from the Coast Guard? Is that when you went first into the security industry? Well, I kind of fell into it in a way. Uh, I was going to college on the GI Bill and working side jobs, trying to, you know, just make extra money on that. And then, you know, it was just, you know, changing oil and, you know, changing oil for cars, right. fixing motorcycles at the local motorcycle place. And then I saw a security officer in a booth. And I'm like, I could be doing my homework while getting paid and <laughs> going to college. Yeah. So I went and got my security license and I started applying. Two weeks later, I get a call from Workforce One in Manhattan somewhere. They said, there's a security manager trainee position available. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested? And I said, yeah, what is it for? It's for a security manager trainee at a hotel, but I can't tell you where it is. Right. Like, what is it? Like the Waldorf as a joke? <laughs> I found out it was at the Waldorf Astoria. That's really funny. And um, I was just like, oh, wow, this is great. So I went in and interviewed. They gave me the position. I was I finished up my junior year of college, and I decided, you know what? I'm just going to take off of school for a bit and see what I learn. And it was I have more stories at the Waldorf Astoria for that one year than I do six years in the coast. Really? It was working with high-end celebrities like... Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Johnny Depp, uh, uh, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt when they were together. Right. Uh, Michael J. Fox I spent the whole day with. I mean, it's just... I could go on and on. Yeah. It's just amazing people. So it was high-level security coverage. Very high level. Uh, working again, you know, we did a... When I was in the Coast Guard, we did a lot of UNGA, uh, United Nations General Assembly details. And mm-hmm. when the UNGA was coming over, we, they'd stay at the Waldorf back then. Right. And uh, working with the Secret Service again, it was just kind of like, oh, wow, this is where I belong. And yeah. And, you know, we started um, contracting other security companies to do uh, other jobs that we weren't really, uh, you know, just like events. You know, we couldn't do it all in-house. And I was like, people make money off this? So I started in uh, looking up contract security companies. And mm-hmm. uh, once I, you know, looked up the requirements, they all had college degree, college degree. So went back to college, became a security officer, you know, left the Waldorf. Yeah. Went back to college, became a security officer in a booth uh, at a place that was all, um, it was for Department of Homeland Security. They were having, they have the central examination station. Mm-hmm. The un- the group, we were all military law enforcement guys. I felt like I was back in the military. Yeah. Just that mindset. You fell into it. Fell yeah. into it. I was like just loving being a security officer. And at night I'd do my homework, still be vigilant. And uh, once I finished up, I applied to be a branch manager for a bunch of companies. And I was picked up by the largest one in the world, Securitas. And I started off with a seven-person branch, and mm-hmm. then, um, after pro- uh, performing well with them, I at the end of my career I had a three-hundred-person branch, oh, ten thousand wow. hours a week in Brooklyn, and uh, it grew. It, well, it was like I one branch was different, but then they promoted me over to run yeah. Brooklyn one, and uh, it was a whole different ball game. And I was in charge of everything, where it was, you know, you have to read your P and L, you have to, you know, you mm-hmm. have to. You went from security to operations operations yeah. sales too i had to go uh that's kind of where i met marshall fulton's group uh way yeah. back when is when i was like you have to go sales so i had to learn everything about networking yeah it was a uh, it's I, a left brain right brain kind of thing i mean not everybody could do both you know oh, yeah. everybody has their own skill set but 
it's good that and that grew you to that pushed you over to Dogcore, opening up Dogcore. Well, right? Allied Barton found me and I ran an account for them and it uh-huh. was more money doing less though. And yeah, uh, once the merger took place, I was, uh, they went from Allied Barton to Allied Universal. I was just like, you know what? I would, I just wasn't happy. And I was like, I could do this myself and I think I'd be really happy. And that's where I broke off for a year. Uh, did a payroll management job for, yeah. until my contract. Yeah. Uh, just putting that on the radio. My non-compete, non-solicitation was expired <laughs> when I started Dollcore. And uh, and when did you start Dollcore? April 13th, which was a Friday the 13th on April 18th. Okay. And now we're at 30 employees. That's uh, great. Around, that permanently work for us. We've yeah. had over 100 this year uh, because of our events and our temporary coverage, yeah. emergency coverage stuff. So in terms of real estate, which is what we're really focused on on the, on the podcast, are, I know that you've done a lot of work um, in buildings where you've had security guards probably at the front desk or even like in the concierge like station. Um, do you want to go through what you recommend for buildings that are, um, you know, especially when you have the taller 30, 40 story buildings, you have a lot of people coming in. What do you usually recommend if a client says, okay, we're thinking about using instead of, let's say a doorman, we're using a security guard or we're using somebody that's maybe a little bit higher level than a doorman. What's your usual talk with them to kind of go through the process of what do you need in terms for safety and security? And we used to manage, um, a building that was like three blocks from the UN. So we're very familiar with that type of, um, you know, luxury building, a lot of diplomats, uh, a lot of countries owned apartments there in the condo. So you have this constant flow of people that may not be recognized. So why don't you walk us through, you know, what you see in the industry as, you know, the, the right way to handle something like that. Well, with, you know, the doorman security officer, uh, comparison, people say, Oh, we don't need security. We have a doorman, but Doormen are usually unionized. They have a specific set of rules that they have to follow that they can't go beyond this. Mm-hmm. So having our security officers, obviously access control and doorman access control, the same thing. I don't recognize this person. Sorry, you can't come in. However, if there's um, something going on on the third floor and maybe somebody rented out a room to an Airbnb and they had a party, is the doorman going up and breaking up that party and saying, I'm going to call the cops if you don't leave right now. Right. And that's kind of where the line between doorman and security officer goes, as well as, you know, um, doing the patrols of the area uh, for the building. You know, we do our vertical patrols. Mm-hmm. So you'll have them at the door, but then they're going to go up and down, check the rooms uh, or the, the hallways. Uh, now, saying this on a podcast, I don't know if it's right, but a lot of rooms, a lot of people, people pass away. Right. And when that happens, having a security officer patrol in the hallways of a huge building, they're going to notice there's a scent um, and being in security too. I've noticed that scent too and had to mm. escalate. Doorman do not do that. Right. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, plus you make a good point. Just jumping back to the going into a room and a doorman saying, Hey, we're breaking up this party. We're going to uh, call the cops. As a manager, we we don't like to put our staff in situations where they could get injured, where, you know, it could escalate to a point where we don't feel comfortable. You know, there's a big liability issue uh, with the maintenance staff or with the doorman, you know, accelerating an issue like that. So it could help to have a third party such as a security company or a security person that is specifically trained in that. I mean, beyond the insurance coverage itself, which is a whole other issue, but the liabilities, um, just having somebody that's trained to maybe instead of escalate to deescalate, right. To try to work through that problem and try to stop the party, stop whatever it is, stop the illegal situation and move it away from the building. 
Correct. Right. I think that's like a, a valid uh, use of somebody that's been trained. Yes. In New York state, you're required to have a security officer license to become a security officer and you have to work for a licensed agency. So there is, you know, they're all trained, they are trained annually to follow up on current laws. And, you know, with the background that we hire from is a lot different than you would hire from a doorman. Right. And the union may not let them do that anyway, right? No, if don't. they're a union building, let's say 32BJ or 670, like one of those unions, they're going to say, well, you know, the protection of our staff or of our members first. Absolutely. So uh, going outside the lines to you guys would be a, a really good option. The doorman position is very restrictive. Yeah. And what are your recommendations in terms of buildings and um, allowing people in and up and access and key fobs? You know, there's this I think there's a lull of sense of security when you have the key fobs. Oh, but only these people with these key fobs could get into the building. But surprise, people let people in. People could still dial, you know. We were talking before we started the podcast, but, you know, there's that issue with people just ringing every bell and trying to get somebody to let them in. Somebody could hold the door. You know, we're always proactive with our residents to say, hey, don't hold the door for anybody that you don't know. It's not an offensive thing to say. I don't recognize you. And, you know, it has nothing to do with race, uh, religion. There's no discriminatory tactics. It's do I recognize you from the building? Have I seen you before? No, internally, I should not let you in because that's a security. And it could be anybody. It could be an 85-year-old's grandmother. I don't know who you are. Just ring the person that you know, and they'll let you up. And I think that's a, a stigma. It's kind of like the bedbug stigma that came up a bunch of years ago where nobody wanted to speak of bedbugs because they felt like it was this, it had a negative connotation to it. Now everybody's a, yeah, every building essentially in New York City has had bedbugs, and there's no stigma. I think that it should be the same with letting people in. Hey, I don't recognize you. Just dial who you you know are here for and let them in. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Uh, people are the biggest vulnerability with security, and people in general just want to be polite. Uh, yeah. When I've in being in this room, someone calls me a jerk, I look at it as a compliment, and <laughs> I tell my guys like, "Oh, he called me," the, and it's more of like an improper name, yeah. and I'm like, "Good job." And it's because you know people just like you know open the door. It's like, hey, uh, it's, thank you. You know, yeah. like, it, it's just that's just how people yeah. are in general, and. They'll let them in, and that's a that's a huge problem. And with the key fobs and the call box, like you're saying, yes, uh, early in January, we had an issue where one of my clients called us for emergency coverage. Now we only did, you know, would do seasonal things like, oh, packages were stolen, so now we need someone to be there for six weeks just to show we have presence. And then, you know, it's not in their budget right. to keep us, but they called us because somebody went in the building, they did what you said, push all the buttons, somebody buzzed them in yeah they just walked throughout the hallways and checking the doorknobs and ransacked a bunch of units and wow. then went across the street and did the same exact thing in one setting wow. it's it just that's horrible and they have key fobs they have called uh the call box yeah and our guys were in there like even if they're using the key fob how are you doing can i check your key fob and if someone's behind them or you know piggybacking right behind right. them excuse me do you live here and yeah. they're like uh no i'm like you need to use the call box and my guys witnessed them use the call box and some yeah. people they just said, do you live here? No. And then you need to go. And then they'd walk away. And it's like, all right, well, that's something we got to, you know, take report and send to the property manager and they have cameras and we'll check in the back. And, you know, cameras are reactive, not active. Yeah. They're, and they're, I don't, I don't even know if they're preventative at these, uh, at this time because everybody's got cameras and it's still happening. You all know? I have to do is wear a hoodie. Yeah. That's it. I'm wearing one today. You can't see, but I am wearing one. I'll be looking out for you. <laughs> I have a big SpongeBob on it, though. I don't think I'll get fired. <laughs> no, you won't. Um, so, all right. So people are the biggest vulnerability for security in buildings. What are the things that we can do? 
yes, we can hire security, but if we're not hiring security, it's not in the budget. What are the things deterrent wise that we could do? We've mentioned cameras, we've mentioned fob systems, nothing's perfect. What what are the recommendations there? I think a mindset. Well, the you know cameras, key fobs, uh, totally different uh, realm. Uh, you know, there's you can switch to biometrics. You know, we have facial recognition program or facial recognition is like taking new heights. Uh, my favorite biometric is the iris, which is the color of your eye. It's the most unique biometric signature of your body. Right. But you still have the issue of people piggybacking and people holding the door open. And colored contacts. What if I'm wearing colored contacts? I don't, you know work? what? I, I, I know it works through sunglasses. Really? Really. I, it was, it was ra- rather shocking because I, I used to uh, run an account for a major data center. Yeah. And I mean, we had the man traps in there. So once you got in there, you were locked in a room yeah. before you were approved by the security officer after doing that. Yeah. I haven't met any buildings yet that have done the iris check. <clears throat> it's it's uh, not that expensive. I would, yeah. I would look into it. Okay. Uh, for that. But um, I had mirrored sunglasses on and it worked. Wow. And so it was just like, wait a second. So I told someone else who wasn't me to wear the, my sunglasses yeah. and it didn't work for them. So yeah, it's a very good hmm. thing. So I don't know Interesting. if it's the context though. Yeah. We have to test it out. Interesting. But um, also changing the mindset of the residents, uh, kind of like using a displaced uh, responsibility. Uh, there was, you know, a sociological experiment way back when where you put three people in a room, they see smoke, no one's going to do anything. Mm. You put one person in a room, they're going to go ahead and pull the fire alarm. And right. it's just like, oh, who's responsible for everybody this? Everybody thinks that everybody else is going to do what's needed. Right. So and the security says. officer sees that. He's like, well, I better do something because I'm going to get in trouble. It's my job. Uh, right. Uh, but if people kind of get out of that mindset, I think that can, you know, go, mm-hmm. you know, make huge difference of uh, if the culture of that residential building. Yeah. So we have a variety of non-doorman buildings, non, um, let's say we have a small building, we have no doorman, we have no full-time super there. It's an outside service that's cleaning, so you don't have that uh, constant and packages go missing. You know, that's a pretty relevant one. And I think that comes down to how's the hardware on the door, are people letting people in behind them? Are people allowing people to buzz? So just like we were talking about before, um, I think New York City's made up a, a lot of those types of buildings where the residents are leading to the problems and letting, you know, uh, holding the door for somebody that you, you just, when you go into your apartment and they go into the basement, you know, where are they? We don't know where they are. And that's a thing with Airbnbs. It's so um, important to discuss where it's illegal in New York City to, um, short-term rental, you know, your apartment, and it's a huge security risk. You know, you, you spend all this money on, and I've had pushback from buildings where especially like condos are like, yeah, it's illegal, but and I'm like, no, it's, it's first it's illegal. So let, let's get off that. But you are spending all this money on these security systems. And now you're allowing unknown people complete access to every common area of your building. You know, it's, and as you said, just before, if you had somebody that was literally just going on every floor and checking all the doorknobs, now you're a hundred units. Now you're, you're susceptible. all these hundred units are now susceptible to being broken into and having security issues. And you know, it's just not worth it. So we're very big on, you know, making sure that none of these apartments are going on there, you know, the Airbnb or the home aways or any of those short term rental sites. And if they are, you know, you have people that are there to kind of detect that we get, emails all the time. Hey, I saw five people in the elevator with suitcases. They were going up to the third floor. We have no idea who they are. Can you check? But that's proactive. 
you know, that that's a good thing. We want them to reach out to us. If you see something, say something. And, you know, it's not just in the, in the subway, but it's also in your building. Like, you live there. It's more important. You know, you're not just passing by, you know, the Lexington Avenue stop on the 6th train. You're actually living there, and you you have value there, you know, so we should protect that. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of people. It's not my job, but um, it, it is, especially if you're a shareholder of a building that you're living in. That's your investment. You better protect it. Yeah. And if you see a bunch of suitcases, it's pretty obvious. You don't even have to even scan Airbnb. Yeah. And everybody knows everybody. There's a pattern to every building. Yeah. And when something comes off pattern, it's it kind of triggers something. You just have to be noticing what you're realizing. And it's like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. Better, I better call Mark and tell him <laughs> what's going on in his building. Uh, See, nonstop emails about that stuff. <laughs> um, so you did something recently for us that wasn't security related, but it was um, helpful. So that we've covered on other podcasts with elevator upgrades, and we had one building in Brooklyn that was doing an elevator upgrade, and their their elevator was out for I think anywhere from four to six weeks. Um, and the way that this building is set up, they have a, um, a firewall in between the two sides. So if you're on, if you live on one side of the building, you can't take the elevator up and then walk across to that side you have to take the stairs up on the side that you live on and and they don't cross each other um but you we were able to work with you guys to have a staff member from your company be there during that four to six weeks of that downtime to help pack you know residents up with packages or to help you know in any way needed and that was actually um really helpful and that's something that a lot of buildings in new york city are going through with the elevator monitorizations and we've got all these co code compliance, even though the code said for door lock monitoring devices that it had to be done by um, late 2019. Uh, I would think the law came into effect on uh, January 1st of this year, 2020. Uh, the backup in the system is such that a lot of buildings are going past that goalpost and they're doing it this year. So that, that was something helpful that you guys were able to provide. And I think I got emails from residents too, that they were very happy just like having somebody to, uh, be there to help with. So I, I want to give you props on that. And, you know, the board, you. I even sent you an email on it. The board was very <laughs> happy with it too. So um, it seemed to work out. So I know that that type of process in the future, if that ever comes up, would be, uh, have you ever thought about going into staffing of non-security related? Like that's kind of like on the edge of it, but have you ever gotten into the, well, we have people and we have connections. Maybe we can get into like, you know, uh, porter or cleaning or, you know, other types of uh, doormen that are not security. Like, have you ever played with that in your head? I've played with it. Uh, my first company ever was a cleaning company. And I realized I came in, like, you know, I'm married. My wife would be like, what, you know, where the clothes are on the floor <laughs> in the bathroom? Like, I didn't even notice that. So you're I, a I, mess at home. So I'm, just, I'm yeah. a mess at the office. I, I just ha don't have the eye for cleaning. It's just, yeah. um, but um, I, I, there's, it's not unusual for like what we did. A lot of secure, there's a lot of things that people will think are not security related, but they are uh, for say, you know, for example, what we did for your building, you know, you still need a key fob to operate that elevator and having a security officer with that person watching them, use, you know, use their key to get in. You're still using a security measure. Now right. uh, having them bring up the packages that were less than 35 pounds, uh, that was no problem. I have a lot of young kids working for me and yeah. uh, they were more than happy. And you know, like, you know, they were, uh, I think the culture of our company too, we have very happy employees. We're yeah. getting the most. But also another thing that people don't realize is security officers can be used as a preventative maintenance. We During patrols, you see a leaky pipe, we report it immediately. Uh, if there's um, something just not working properly or your lights are out, that's a report that goes to your superintendent. 
So we can catch it before it escalates into right. say a blown out fire main and your basement's flooded. Yeah. Which would we did a while back. We caught a leaky pipe and they said if it waited there for a couple more hours, it would just burst. Oh. So um, added value. Uh, very much added value. Uh, but as for you know other staffing, I know security. I've been you know between uh, Securitas and Allied, and uh, also when I was a security officer and uh, Waldorf, I have over eight years in that industry alone. Yeah. And then with the Coast Guard, uh, you know, it just kind of it's what I know, so I stick with it. Uh, like I said, I didn't know anything about cleaning. I thought I would do that while I was working yeah. for Allied, and I could just be like, all right, build this and then move right. over. But no, it's this is what I I know. And uh, I enjoy it. I appreciate that. It's good to be narrow. It really is. Because if you could, like me, I don't do anything but management. I mean, I talk on a podcast about management, but that's still management. You know, it's still real estate. I don't know anything else but property management. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. Like that but that, that's how you grow. Because if you're, if you're that narrow and you have that focus, then your potential clients will realize that. And I think that's like a positive, you know? I always, I always think of operating your business like an in and out burger. I don't know. Not many people on this side. I, I'm originally this from side Sac- of the country. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm originally from Sacramento, California, actually yeah. a small town, Roseville, but um, we had in and out burger and there's three items on the menu. Mm. And I think that's the appeal. It's not too yeah. much, not too confusing. We provide security officers, security there's officers, no decisions to make. Exactly. This is your choice. You choose. Exactly. Um, so what do you see as the biggest challenges when, when you're going to a building and, presumably you're going there because they asked you to come so that's the first step but do you see any sort do you do you ever have to do convincing to say you need to go this extra step because or what's the like the 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 feedback that you the pushback that you get in terms of your services versus an outside like just doorman on staff person what's the thing that sets and we we discussed it a little Mm -hmm. bit you know taking that extra step and going into that apartment and de-escalating the issue. Um, but as a, I guess maybe an industry wide thing, like, are you see, are you seeing the trend to go a little bit more secure or are you seeing pushback on other ways? I, I see this industry growing. Uh, you know, it's one of the few that are not going to attack. It's you need a security officer, no matter how, what you have in place. And people are more reactive than active. Uh, I'd have to say 90% reactive and, 10%, I'm very excited to find the ones that are active before mm. they want to act before something happens. But something that had to have happened uh, to where a party broke out and someone got hurt and right. the doorman wouldn't do anything about it, it, it or a pipe burst because there's no patrol. That's usually the calls I get. So I you know, I put myself out there, I let people know who I am and, and then all of a sudden it's like, this happened and it's like, now we need security. Yeah. Do you do any uh, type of fire guard uh, patrols? You know, we had on uh, New York Fire Safety on our last podcast like two months ago again sorry for the hiatus no that was that was a great uh i I enjoyed that was a good one because uh, we do um most i try to get all my officers to be fo1 fire guard Mm -hmm. just because when that system goes out you have four hours until you need an fo1 so if we have security officers on staff in your building that are fo1 you're set uh you know and i have you know we have a do events so uh with fo3 and fo4 temporary place of assembly inside or outside right we have a lot of those uh, because we do get cold uh, and we have to fill them real quick. And also one of my buildings, we have a fire safety director and uh, she's a, has a certificate of fitness, uh, F89. Uh, it's the first one they've had, uh, I think in like over two decades that didn't leave during the process. Oh really? <laughs> it was just like, cause you have to go to this school, uh, you know, you have to go to John Jay or you have to go to New York fire consultants. Right. And then after that you have to go to the Metro tech and yeah. then, you know, after that you 
get into a building. So you have a ZA9, but it needs to be an FA9. You need a certificate of fitness for that building. Right. And right, right, right. Now you could reach out to, you know, um, FDNY and say, can we get an on-site exam? And they'll, they'll get you set up in two months. But the problem is that fire safety director has to know the building mm-hmm. and they have to pass the test or it's going to cost, it's cost you $700 every time. Wow. And so even though it's like a two month time period, yeah. you can't just throw someone in and say, okay, you're on sites this day. You yeah. need to give them depending on the size of the building, the complexity. I've, you know, I've worked at buildings where I won't set someone up until eight months until they're used to it because it's just, it's just going to be yeah. paying for a $700 test over and over again. And then using outside sources like NY fire uh, consultants. Well, it's super important because now obviously most buildings are sprinklered. Um, there's a big push for laundry rooms to be sprinklered. There's a big push there. I don't think the law is there yet, but they're trying to push through a law that's going to require all buildings to be sprinklered. I don't think that that's good yet. luck. Yeah, that's not happen. But if these are things that for the fire watch, you know, when the sprinklers go down, that's mm-hmm. that's when you're needed. That's when you're most important. We need to go and we need to in, investigate once a year. I think it's once an hour. You have to walk through all the common areas and mark it. You know, there's no fire. So um, as we get more sprinklers throughout the city, we're going to have more need for that. So that's like a perfect kind of probably add-on service for you guys. Oh, absolutely. We have a, in my office, we have an in-house training room as well. And uh, we, you know, before we send our guys out for a metro, unless they're like, no, I got this boss. I'll, I'll yeah. go take the test. And I pay for my guys to take the test. Yeah. Whether you pass or fail, uh, you know, if you work for me, you're, I'm going to send you out and uh, have an FO1s because we get the calls and it's like, hey, I just got, you know, gigged by the fire department. I need FO1s now. And yeah. it's like, well, good, because 90% of my staff all have FO1s. So what right. do you got? And uh, we do the walkthrough and send them through. So what's your goal in the next two years, five years? I mean, you're, you're keeping at it. You're growing. You see this uh, You see this as a growing uh, segment. You feel like you're, you're on a good path. You've obviously done a good job and where I've seen you. So what's your, what's your goal? My goal is, you know, I just to keep growing, of course, but when I started this company was the, the culture of our company. If you go on our website, www.dollcore.com. And let's spell that out. Cause that, yeah, is not gonna, a, yeah, I'll even do it phonetically. I'll put it. it in the, I'll put it also in the description, but it's, it's D A H L C O R E, right? Correct. Doll. And your last name is, but, yeah, my last name is Dahlberg. Yeah. Um, and the company's name is Dollcore. Right. Uh, you know, we say sometimes in the company we say hardcore Dollcore, something's challenging. <laughs> so it's like, you know, oh, this is going to be tough, boss. Hardcore Dollcore, get at it. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, if you go, it's just different. I, I, I've been a security officer. I've been a low level manager. I've been a higher level manager. I, yeah. I, you know, I've heard what other managers have said that have become managers, but never, you know, worked their way up the ladder. And yeah. uh, I do, you know, it's, it's, um, I'd have to say, if you want to compare it, I'd try to be like the Virgin, uh, which is Richard Branson's company, Virgin, of security. It's, you know, treat your employees well, they're going to treat your clients well. And you saw that firsthand with uh, the Park Vanderbilt. It was, you know, my Nick and and Charles, they're great, and we kept very good consistency. But, you know, they they know that when you come to the office or you're going to be, you know, with me, I'm not going to treat you like a lesser person, if anything. Yeah, we operate the same way here. We're all... it is it, it, our company and my company is EBMG, not my my podcasting, but my property management company. But I feel like we've got like a, it's almost like a family feel. Like now, like we're we're bigger than we ever were. We're probably uh, we've doubled in size in the last few years, but we've kept everybody essentially here and happy and growing, and they feel like they're growing with the company. You know, it's it's a much different 
feeling than when you've got a corporate structure where it's just like so many layers, you know, like mm-hmm. you're probably operating in the same way that we are. We have about the same amount of employees. So it's, it's nice to keep everybody happy. It is. I, I, the goal was to create a, a company I would want to work for. And it looks like you've done the same. Yeah. It's like, a, I'd work here. Yeah. You could wear a SpongeBob sweatshirt every day. I, 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 <laughs> I, have, I have a few Dolcor hoodies. <laughs> nice. So. Yeah, I got my EVMG ones. I'm not wearing them now though. Unfortunately I should have. I should have uh, given my Star Wars hoodie. <laughs> So cool. Yeah. So we're going to continue to use you as a company. And I, I, at least if anybody's looking for security needs, I always recommend that they go out to you and I'll put all of your info. Uh, what, so dialcore.com, what's the phone number for the company? 646-531-6324. Okay, great. So I'll, I'm going to put all that in there and um, I appreciate you coming in. If anything comes up on security wise, I'll have you back and we can talk about it. Even if it's at a round table with a bunch of different people, we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Thanks.